The content of this podcast should not be considered financial or investment advice. All interviews and discussions are opinions only, and the podcast has been created without taking into consideration the listener's financial objectives, financial situation or needs. Listeners should obtain independent advice before making any financial decisions. Hello and welcome to this edition of Stockhead's Rock Yarn. I'm your host, Peter Strachan. Today we're delighted to be hosting William Johnson, who's the Managing Director of Strike Resources. Now, Strike's had a long history in the iron industry and its board is replete with plenty of grey hairs from that industry. Uh, Shankar Madan, uh, who used to be the Managing Director, is now consulting to the company. He was uh, worked with Hancock and Wright Prospecting and also Rio Tinto back in the day. Uh, finding lots of iron ore for those uh, clients. And Malcolm Richmond uh, used to be the managing director of Rio Tinto as Hammersley Operations here in Western Australia. So there's a lot of uh, knowledge about the iron ore industry in the company. And so William Johnson has uh, gratefully agreed to come in and talk to us about the company's uh, developments at its Polson's East Iron Ore Project up in the Pilbara in Western Australia. So uh, welcome to the podcast, uh, William. Thank you very much, Peter. Thanks for having me. Uh, William, what's been your career path that brought you to uh, Strike uh, Resources? Look, um, Peter, I, uh, I started off in uh, England. I was born in the UK, studied engineering at um, Oxford University. And then uh, my first job out of university was working in the oil and gas industry, um, looking for oil actually in Libya, of all places. Um, from there, I um, ended up in Australia in the early 2000s and um, became involved with Strike um, around about um, 2004. And I've been involved with um, Strike and a few other um, resource companies ever since. So that's uh, you've you've sort of fallen on your feet there into an, uh, the iron ore industry and surrounded by uh, plenty of uh, knowledge there. What's the the feeling uh, in Strike about? I mean, I know you've been doing feasibility studies on the project, uh, which have used uh, a base price of sort of eighty five US dollars a ton uh, for. Um, for uh, iron ore delivered into Asia. And of course, the price is now just a touch below 120 US dollars a ton, or in fact, 166 Australian dollars a ton. So um, th- what, how has that uh, project been progressing? And what's your feeling in the, in, the, in, the, uh, in the offices between the four walls about how you think the iron ore market might uh, progress over the next couple of years? Look, um, we're, we're very, very bullish on the iron ore market in general, Peter, for a couple of reasons. Um, you know, the, there's, I guess, um, two sort of key factors that are keeping the iron ore prices strong at the moment. The first is, you know, the um, very large stimulus that the Chinese government's putting into uh, the economy over there, which is um, pushing up demand for steel um, for infrastructure projects. Um, and the second factor is, of course, the substantial reduction in supply that's come out of Brazil over the last couple of years. They had some um, you know, disastrous accidents with their um, dams a couple of years ago, and then the, um, the COVID situation over there has um, been, uh, been really bad over the last um, 
12 months, and that's also had some impact, a significant impact on, on taking some supply out of the marketplace. So those sort of two factors are the key drivers that are keeping the iron ore price up. And to be honest, we don't see that um, changing much in the near term. And we're, I guess, counting on that to, um, to provide the impetus for us to bring our Paulson's East iron ore production, iron ore project into production yeah, as quickly the, as possible. The time is, is right. And you've, you'll be following on from Phoenix, who's in a pretty similar situation with a high-grade a hematite project, and and I think you're right. The uh, the Latin American countries, uh, Bra- obviously Brazil, which is the big iron ore producer, but Chile and Peru with their uh, copper projects as well, are all suffering on the uh, supply side. And uh, I think uh, you're right that um, over the next uh, couple of years, it's not likely to change. We're not going to see a lot more iron ore coming into the market to uh, to push that price down. And I think your conservative uh, feasibility study price uh, might be an absolute uh, uh, sort of bottom <laughs> rather than a, a sort of projected uh, price going forward. Look, you're absolutely right. I mean, um, if you look at the, the sort of the uh, econ- economics at a sort of very high level, um, with the iron ore price at about 120 US dollars per tonne at the moment landed in China, um, that equates to, yeah, about, I guess, 160 uh, Aussie dollars take off, um, say, $10 per tonne for um, for shipping. And so you've got a FOB um, price of around about um, $150 Aussie. As long as you can get the um, iron ore delivered onto a ship, you know, for 90 even 100 bucks a tonne, you're going to be making between $50 and $60 per tonne. Yeah. So if you can generate one, one and a half million tonnes a year, uh, that's a tremendous cash flow opportunity. So tell us about the uh, the Paulson's uh, deposit. It's a banded iron formation, sort of sticks out of the ground, so pretty easy to mine, I'd imagine. Look, I mean, one of the great things about this deposit is exactly as you said, um, Peter, it's just sticking out of the ground waiting to be mined. It's a, it's a unique deposit. There's nothing else like it in the Pilbara, and um, we're, you know, we're fortunate to have this, um, have this project on our books for the last um, actually 15 years. We we pegged it, I think, back in 2005, did some drilling on it in 2006 and 2008, and we're looking to get it into production during the last boom. Um, but um, what sort of happened with Strike was that uh, we sort of got distracted by how much larger um, South American iron assets in Peru, which are an order of magnitude larger in scale. And so we, we sort of parked the Paulson's East project whilst we were focusing on, on South America. Um, you know, the, that sort of, I guess, um, that iron ore boom fell away. Um, and now we're, I guess, into a second, a second wave or the next iron ore boom. And um, partly because of the fact that we now have this COVID situation, which makes it difficult to, to travel to and advance our projects overseas. You know, we're very fortunate to have this Paulson's project right in our back doorstep, so to speak. So, um, you know, we, we're sort of focusing now on, on um, moving this forward. And it's essentially what it is, it's a... It's a three-kilometre-long ridge of outcropping very high-grade hematite ore. Um, most of the, um, almost all the samples we've taken from the, the ridge are sort of 64, 65% hematite. It's very, very hard material, um, which means that when we, when we crush it, most of it's probably going to be a, a, a lump product. Uh, we expect between 75 to 80% of the product to be a lump, and lump typically... Um, attracts a premium in the marketplace. So what we're aiming to do is to produce a sort of high-grade premium material which we can uh, sell to uh, to Chinese or Japanese customers. 
Yeah, so the, the steel smelters like the lump because it, they don't have to uh, to uh, agglomerate it when they put it in their, their smelters. Is there any penalties? For, I mean, phosphorus is sort of a moderate 0.08%. Is, is that within the, the tolerances that people like? Look, it's, phosphorus isn't too bad. The, um, the, the alumina and silica are a little bit high, but we're looking to... Um, to see if we can extract that through our processing. So we're sort of targeting to deliver anything between a 62 to a 64% uh, product, um, ideally with um, with no um, impurity discounts. And if we can deliver a lump uh, product, you know, we can expect to have to get perhaps a you know, $10 per tonne premium for, for that. So when you look at the numbers I mentioned earlier, um, about uh, you know, an FOB price of about $150 per tonne, um, add $10 for a lump premium, and, you know, that sort of makes a significant difference to, or significant improvement to your forecast cash flows. And your cash costs will be uh, below $100 Australian uh, over the project, are you estimating? Look, absolutely, yes. I mean, um, you know, the, the, um, the location of the project does make it a little bit challenging from a transport perspective, but uh, we've been working very closely with our preferred haulage contractors. So, um, I mean, the biggest single cost item is going to be trucking the ore uh, to the port. So our plans are to um, produce about one and a half million tonnes a year of direct shipping or material for at least four years. That should see us um, take out the most accessible six million tonnes of, of ore. And um, the um, it's a simple drill and blast um, crushing screening operation. Then the report will be loaded into into um, four trailer load trains and then transported by truck straight to the Utah Point multi-user facility at um, Fort Headland where there's already existing infrastructure for stockpiling and, um, and loading ships. Um, yeah, so I think uh, that's a, a, bit, a big uh, thing to get all your approvals in place and to actually get access to the port. It's not not necessarily a given, given the, uh, the the level of activity in the Pilbara. Look, you're absolutely right. And look, approvals has been a big focus for us over the last six months. And um, one of the, the, the key ones that we recently achieved was um, signing a native title agreement with the traditional landowners. Um, interestingly enough, um, the uh, the project is located on lands um, which are sort of owned by the, um, the PKKP, um, traditional owners, which is the same group um, that had the problems with uh, Rio Tinto several months ago when Rio yeah. Tinto blew up the uh, Junca Gorge. Now, interestingly, we were in the middle of negotiations with the PKKP when that incident happened, and um, you know, we um, there was a couple of weeks there where we uh, we thought we were, <laughs> we were going to have some issues, but look, we we batted on, and I think that um, you know we we just um, maintained very positive dialogue with the group. We explained to them what we wanted to do and, and um, undertook to be very transparent in everything we were going to do. And in the end, um, we managed to to sign an agreement with them, which was, um, I think, a, a great achievement for the company. Yeah. And so all environmentals, that's all done? Look, all the environmental um, studies have been done. I mean, the next um, step for us is to formally apply for our mining permit, uh, which is an application that goes to the Department of Mines. And then they process that, um, and uh, we're hoping to get all of our approvals and permits in place before the end of the year, so we can get on the ground and um, you know start working early in the new year. So, uh, 
William, it's a capital a capital light project because you're using contract mining, contract crushing, contract tra- uh, cr- uh, transport um, for the for the uh, for the project. But you might need a little bit extra cash once you start, uh, you know, putting uh, assets on the ground there. Yeah, exactly right. I mean, um, because this is a, a um, only a, a short mine life, um, we're looking for maybe six years if the iron price um, stays high, but we're sort of targeting a four-year mine life. It doesn't make sense for us to invest a lot in setting up our own um, equipment and mining operations there. So we're aiming to use um, contractors for mining, crushing and, and haulage, and that keeps our um, capital cost low. Yeah. Yeah. And um, so is there any, uh, when I looked at the map of the ridge itself, uh, it does continue to the west. Is there any potential for extensions to the mineralisation? Look, there is, but um, but not to the west, Peter. I mean, uh, oh. to, the, to the southeast, um, we've identified a potential extension of up to one and a half kilometres, which we haven't drilled yet, but... Um, no. Um, then we did. We have drilled one hole at the sort of furthest point uh, where we did intersect ore, and there's also some surface outcrops that are consistent with the material on the main ridge. So, so we're reasonably confident that if we were to drill that one and a half kilometre extension uh, to the southeast, um, we'd encounter ore, and um, that could potentially increase the size of the. Yeah. The so your four years could end up being five or even six, and uh, I think. When I looked at your study, uh, you know, based on those conservative uh, iron ore prices, you were looking at a free cash flow of 150 million over the period of the project. But of course, at the current iron ore prices, if iron ore was to stay around, you know, those 160 dollars Australian a ton, then you'd be looking at something in excess of 300 million being spat out by the project before uh, any tax was liable. Look, so um, I mean, you're absolutely right, um, Peter, in that this project um, at the current levels is um, very attractive financially. Um, so that's um, that's why we're working our hardest to um, bring it into production as quickly as we can. Yeah, and the current market capitalization of Strike is about twenty-four million, I think. Yes. And the the company has what's the you, you made a, a placement recently? How much cash is does the company have at the moment? Look, um, we've still got a couple of million dollars left in the bank, uh, which is enough to see us through to the completion of our you know, feasibility study and into the permitting process. Um, but um, look, we're definitely going to need to raise more money to, to move the project into the production phase. Well, William, you've, you've taken some uh, samples of the mineralisation to do metallurgical test work. Have you finalised the, the final size of the, the crushes required and the screening and and uh, you know the basic engineering of of how so that you can actually uh, tell the contractor what's required for this project. Um, that's um, still a work in progress, uh, Peter. We're still waiting for results to come back from our metallurgical uh, test work program. Okay, and you'd expect that over the next month or so to be finalised. Yes. And when do you think that you'll be in a position to to finalise uh, your agreements with the contract? crushers and transport people and, and, and you know, what would be your expectation for getting this project up and running? You know, probably early to mid next year, would that be too early? Uh, look, it um, to a large extent depends upon us securing the permits and approvals that we need for the project in a timely way. 
um, as I mentioned, where you know the, the mining permit approval process, um, which sits within the Department of Mines, um, can sometimes um, take longer than expected. Uh, we would normally expect um, a mining application to uh, take about six weeks, but it can take longer. So to a large extent, we're, once we sort of submit our mining permit application, uh, we're in the hands of the Department of Mines, but, um, which will really sort of set the timetable for, for this project starting. And so your metallurgist will get back with a suggested um, flow sheet through uh, October, and then uh, ar armed with that, you'll be able to seek final approvals and hopefully uh, you know, get some money, the, uh, the cash that you need for your own uh, working capital and so forth to get the, uh, the people on site and, uh, and moving forward with the project into 2021. Exactly, yes. So uh, is the company looking at any other projects in Western Australia at the moment or you, are you, are you, you basically put the Peruvian uh, iron ore project on the back burner until, until the COVID situation uh, resolves itself over there? Look, that's right. But we're not um, looking at anything else in Western Australia at the moment. Uh, we're just 100% um, focused on moving forward with the Pawsons East project. And yes, the South American assets, we're pausing on them until the COVID situation improves. Yeah. So uh, it's it's now a matter of getting the uh, the the metallurgical project uh, finalised, uh, all the engineering specifications uh, to your preferred contractors. And, uh, and then uh, moving forward with your uh, transport. And uh, will there be any infrastructure required at the port or will you just use the, uh, the infrastructure that's already there? Um, we'll just use the infrastructure that's there. I mean, there's, um, there's uh, as I mentioned before, there's established uh, stockpile and shiploading equipment there. Um, at the moment, there's plenty of capacity, but at the um, the port itself has capacity to export about 23, 24 million tonnes of, um, of uh, materials per year. Um, it's currently, um, I think, um, only utilising about uh, 14 or 15 million tonnes. So um, there's sufficient headroom there to accommodate yeah. our one and a half million tonnes a year. Yeah, so you have to truck it, uh, it's like 560 kilometres or something to Port Headland. Yeah, look, it's, uh, it's not a short distance, but um, it's definitely doable when um, iron yep. is, um, you know, selling for more than $120 a tonne. Finally, William, the marketing of the iron ore itself obviously doesn't sell itself. Uh, uh, do you go through brokers or is a, you know, a third-party iron ore marketing organisation or how, how will you actually find customers to take this uh, high-grade product? Look, um, we've engaged um, a chap called uh, Mark Hancock, ex-Atlas Iron, as a consultant, who um, handled the marketing for Atlas Iron. So he's been helping us um, identify potential offtake partners, customers, and we've been having numerous sort of meetings uh, with uh, them over the last couple of months. Because we're aiming to produce high-grade premium products, we've got no shortage of uh, of potential customers talking to us and interested in buying it. So um, we're just going through that process now of uh, identifying those who um, are best suited, we think, to our um, product. And over yeah. the coming months, we'll be um, locking down uh, terms with uh, a couple of those. Yeah, and if you're able to sell a product which is in excess of 62% iron, you'll be getting a premium price for it. And uh, 
uh, it shouldn't be too difficult to sell that. And it's a key part of your final capital raising offering, I guess, to the market uh, when the time comes. Absolutely, yes. All right. So, William, thank you very much for coming in. We will watch very closely over the course of the next couple of months to see your feasibility work come through. And uh, I'm sure, uh, you know, with a, there's plenty of leverage there with Strike, with a market capitalization of just currently 24 million and the sort of cash flow uh, that this project is likely to to spin out uh, could be quite attractive for, um, for shareholders, I'm sure. Absolutely. Yes, thank you for having me, Peter. Okay, thanks for coming into the Stockhead Rock Yarn today, William, and uh, we wish uh, Strike Resources all the best over the next months as they develop their project. Thank you very much.